Merry Christmas. Okay, so this morning we're going to go on the Christmas journey, all right? My, I really, truly love to geek out on the Christmas story. I just, I love it. I have good memories of Christmas, and that helps. Um, but this morning I'm going to be focusing on the Christmas journey, and I'm going to be looking at um, three distinct people and three distinct topics. So, so let's pray. Father God, I pray, um, Lord, that you would just... Um, Holy Spirit, just be with us this morning. Let us find our place in the story, Lord. I pray that you would just open up your word this morning, open up our hearts to receive it, um, and open up um, just a new hope within us in this, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So God offered each one of these groups of people, I'm going to be, we're going to be looking at Mary, kind of Joseph as well, the shepherds and the wise men. And he offered them an invitation to follow him. He offered them like a beautiful, crazy adventure. And they all ended up finding the Messiah, but each story is very different. And so that's what we're going to kind of look at. And today I kind of hope that you kind of can relate to either somebody in the story or pieces of their individual stories. Um, I don't know if you know this, but since I've been here, I've taken up a new hobby um, I am now an avid fly fisherman. I have gone a total of one time, but I have a pole and I have a fishing vest that I got at a local thrift store, so I'm pretty committed, all right? So there'll probably be some more fly fishing stories. So a friend of mine, his name is Nathan and his girlfriend Chloe, they're 20-somethings, and I met them through Young Life, and they invited me to go fly fishing. God had already been speaking to me about taking up the hobby. So I don't know why, but he speaks to me through weird things. So this was another weird thing, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm down for the journey. This sounds fun. Um, I like the outdoors, and fly fishing is pretty unique. You go to very remote places. You don't just go to, like, the local fishing hole. You, you have to go travel to weird places, like, that nobody else is at, like, trespass on people's private property. And so I was following my friend Nathan because he invited me, and I said yes to the invitation, and it ended up being quite the adventure. Um, I ended up falling down several hills. I um, got my fishing line snagged into a tree for about 20 minutes, and I almost fell into the stream. But all that to say, God taught me something. So you know how, like, in the Bible you can see where God uses symbolism and pictures to talk to people? Like Jeremiah, he said, come down to the potter's house, I want to show you something. So Jeremiah could have missed out and said, nah, I don't feel like going, that's weird. But he went. So he went to the potter's house and he said, look, I want to show you that you are the clay and I'm the potter. So he left with this revelation. So the same thing happened to me on my fishing expedition. I left with the revelation of Jesus that he invites us on awesome adventures. But here's the thing. This is what I learned. So Nathan is some 20-something person. So he's got a lot more energy and agility than I have. So he kind of represented Jesus to me. So he comes over. He teaches me how to tie a fly, which was really important to know because I'm going to lose like three of them. And they're really expensive. Those little flies are like five bucks a piece. So, or like one was like 10 bucks. So if you lose it, that's 10 bucks. You're just lost in some stream somewhere. So I'm kind of cheap, so I'm like, I'm not losing this little fly. So anyways, um, I tie the fly. He tells me how to like just kind of like do the casting and, and the, the rhythm and artistry of that, and then basically just goes and leaps on 
boulders and rocks like some kind of crazy gazelle. And, and he is just so into the journey and love of fishing. He loved it. He, and, and it was like, I had to stop a couple times and just watch him because it's like the beauty and artistry of, of how his line was going against the sky and this, this beautiful scenery. And then there I, there I was. And there was a couple times that like the time that I almost fell into the water, he basically just like shouted words of encouragement. Like, oh yeah, that happens. No worries. And it, I left that morning because it was super early in the morning. Like, I had to leave my house at 5 a.m. on a Saturday. Like, who does that, you know? Um, so it was super early. It was super early in the morning. And so, like, he would yell encouragements like, oh, yeah, that happens. Like, it's common. So this is what I walked away with. So there was no condemnation in the fact that my line got hung up. There was no condemnation or shame in the fact that I rolled down the hill, like, a couple times. You know, and I did it in a way where he didn't even really knew I fell down there. I just like fell down and his girlfriend was with me. She's like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm fine. And, and then like he saw that the thing was snagged and, and when I almost fell in the thing, he's like, yeah, that happens. Like there was no condemnation. It was the joy that I was there on the journey while he did what he loved. So Jesus invites us on this, Father God invites us on a journey to do what he loves. And so that's what happened this morning. We're going to talk about how he invited. So, it, so just like Jesus, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be willing, willing to go. So the cool thing I want to talk about today, so stay tuned. There'll probably be some more fly fishing stories. And if anybody wants to go, just, you know, give me a call. We'll go. So the heart of God has for us is to join him in what he loves the most. His people, his little children, and his sheep. He joys, he loves those things, and he invites us to go on a quest with him, a partnership, and it's divine, tailor-made just for us and what we're called to. So that's what I want to look at in the Christmas journey this morning. We have three groups of people. We have three topics that I'm going to look at and how they all reach the Messiah, but each one in a unique and specific way according to their individual purpose and destiny, their very own personal quest that was tailor-made just for them. So we're going to go look at Mary and Joseph. We're going to look at divine interruptions. So there's three points I'm going to make. Divine interruptions. I want you to hear about this, like, jeopardy. Here's, here's the topics this morning. Divine interruptions, the good news, and just because it's hard does not mean it's not God, okay? So I don't know which topic you want to start with. Oh, Ted picks divine interruptions for 500, Jack. Okay. So divine interruptions. So we know that we can have interruptions in our life. There's good interruptions and there are bad interruptions. A good interruption is, Sammy, you just won the lottery. Isn't that awesome? The bad interruption is, on the way to get the money, your car breaks down. So that's the difference in interruptions. So Mary has a divine interruption. She basically is a normal girl doing her normal life, doing the same old thing that you do every single day, and an angel shows up one day and completely interrupts her entire life and tells her that she is going to be carrying the Savior of the world. And the first thing that the angel says to Mary is, don't be afraid. Why would he say, like, I know we always kind of have these, like, kind of funny cliches, like, well, yeah, if I saw an angel, I would say, don't be afraid to you. I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact that, that she would be, um, this decision that's about to happen that she says yes to, is going to change her entire life. 
And there's a lot of fear and terror that is going on in her society at that time. So the very first thing is don't be afraid. And yeah, of course you're going to see an angel and the glory of God's going to come and there's going to be a fear of the Lord and there is a tendency to be afraid. But this is a fear, like don't be afraid. God will see you through this. So to us, I think we can kind of look at, you know, we live in a society right now, there is a lot of fear, there is a lot of terror. We know when 9-11 happened, terror came into our world. I mean, this young woman could have been stoned to death. That's pretty terrorizing. And yet she said, let it be done to me as you have said. And she says, yes, I'm willing to carry the Messiah. She and Joseph both know that this is the answer, that this is the Savior of the world. The angel also comes and interrupts Joseph's sleep because he doesn't know what to do in this situation. Because of the fear and because of the society, he is thinking, I'm going to secretively, quietly divorce this young lady so that I want her to be preserved. So he's going to do this just thing, an honorable thing, and not shame her publicly and have her uh, possibly killed. He decides to, I'm going to put her away in secret. But in the dream, he has a divine interruption. And the first thing the angel says in the dream is, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's carrying the Messiah. He will save your people from their sins. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. And you'll call his name Jesus, which is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph says yes to that journey, knowing full well that it is going to be complicated, knowing full well that it's going to be difficult. So they decide, so God chooses them, and then they say, yes, I choose to live an unordinary life. They make a decision to choose. So in their divine interruption, where God chooses them, they also have to make the choice to go on the journey and live an extraordinary life. With We can get to that later. The shepherds, they also have a divine interruption. They're working the late shift, the night shift, and out of the, just uh, uh, suddenly. I love the word suddenly, and then I also get scared of the word suddenly. Um, if you're like me, you've had some sudden phone calls that aren't good, you know? And so the tendency is when you have a lot of disappointment, you can, you can walk in fear, you can walk in. And, and so, like, there's a, that suddenly. So I do like the word suddenly when it pertains to God, because it's usually some awesome, great news. So suddenly this angel appears and again says, do not be afraid. Um, the shepherds were invited to an invitation. They were invited to say yes and to go to see the sign. They were offered, um, and I'm going to get to the shepherds a little bit later when we get to the good news, But so I just want to be basic with the shepherds right now. But they were invited to go. They were invited to go and to see. Um, and that's where their divine interruption occurred. With the wise men... Um, the wise men were willing to go on a journey and follow a star. And they were perceived the star. They were aware of the star. They, their divine interruption was, I'm showing you something in the heavenlies. Are you willing to say yes and follow my lead? So that their divine interruption led them to say, yes, I will follow your lead. I will perceive something in the heavenlies. I will follow that. So now we're going to get to the good news, because I just kind of wanted to set, set the, um, the scene up. The good news is what I really want to kind of talk about today. We live in such bad news right now. Um, I was talking to some young leaders, uh, and I was on a call yesterday. We were actually from all age groups. And the, 
one common theme was everybody said how exhausted they were. Can anybody relate to that? Is anybody else feeling exhausted? Like, we're exhausted, but we're not really doing anything, which is interesting. It's like, don't go anywhere, don't see anybody, don't do anything. And I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but I'm not doing anything, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm not seeing anybody. Why am I exhausted? And I think we came to the understanding that we're exhausted because of the amount of bad news that we keep hearing, whether you want to hear it or not. Sometimes I don't want to hear any bad news, but just in the midst of like going from here to here, I hear horrible things because it's constant. And I think it has worn down our human soul. And our, I think it's made us really tired because I think inside of us, and I don't know if you have felt a little bit of an assault with the like Christmas, like I want to have joy for the season, but I feel like it's kind of contested this year. And I think it's just because the amount of bad news I need the good news to like overtake that. And so I just want to encourage you, if you feel like that, there's a lot of other people that are feeling like that. And so when I talk about the good news, I'm going to talk about the three Ps in the good news. Proclaim it, pronounce it, and perceive it. So when I come to proclaiming it, Mary, um, once she finds out, and I guess I can read this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you... And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how will this be? And he explains that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. And then um, Mary says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary goes and visits um, her cousin Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, who is now with pregnant with John. And when Mary gets there, um, she begins to proclaim a song. She begins to proclaim this goodness and good news. And it really shows you kind of the state of where Mary was as a person. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And now all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So she's already proclaiming what God is doing for her. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their most inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. Now she's really talking about what Jesus will do. Brought down rulers from his thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent to the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She is proclaiming all of the goodness of God in her personal state. And I'm, I kind of had this thought this Christmas, why are we not doing that? Why am I not doing that? Let's talk about myself. Why am I not doing that? All of this bad news, all of this, I need to proclaim who I am to Jesus. If I have to write my own little song or my own little statement and proclaim this Christmas and every day what Jesus has done for me, what God has done for me, 
and lift God up higher than all circumstances. I feel like there's life to that. So take that as maybe just practically do it yourself. Sit in front of your Christmas tree and just write. You know, there's a song um, in White Christmas that says, count your blessings instead of sheep. You remember that in White Christmas where uh, she can't sleep and they meet, they have this little, he's playing the piano, you know, it's snowing out, so gorgeous, and he makes their little sandwich, and they just, he just starts playing this song about counting your blessings. And if I could sing, I would sing it to you, but I can't, so sorry. Counting your blessings instead of sheep. And I think that's a really good song to think about. Let's count our blessings right now, because there are many of them. And let's overtake the negativity with the positive good news of what God has done in our lives. So Mary proclaimed it. So instead of being afraid, she proclaimed. Okay, I think we can do that too. Instead of being afraid, we can proclaim. Instead of just being exhausted from all of this nutsness, let's proclaim God's goodness, right? Okay, the angels gave a pronouncement. So the second P is pronouncement. There's a huge difference between announcement and pronouncement. And this is so cool. Announcement is you make this announcement to the public. Everybody finds out about it. But a pronouncement is specific. It is specific. It's usually very official and it's formal. And it's really interesting. I I read up a little bit on what the shepherds were like during Jesus' time. And they actually were outcasts. And they were very uh, low in the status in this in the social status. So they were like considered equal with tax collectors and were considered to be sinners. And we know the Bible. We know patriarchs like Moses and Jacob and and Isaac, where they were shepherds. And we think that all shepherds look. That was back then. They were that was considered an honorable. But the shepherds of the, of the time that Jesus Christ is born it, are in a different social status. So that really helped me out of all the people that Almighty God could go to. He chooses the shepherds, the lowest of the low in that caste system, in that time. And he proclaims, or he pronoun- makes a pronouncement. So he specifically picks this group of people to invite to see the birth of his child. It's a formal announcement. It's one that would be given to kings. It's one that would be given to the, the, the greatest spiritual leader of their day. And he goes to the shepherds. And you know there's a ton of symbolism in there that Jesus came to be the good shepherd. But I just think it's like, wow. Father God went to those that were completely outcast and chose to invite them. He personally invited them personally sent out a holy invitation to come to the birthplace and see this newborn baby. I just think that's amazing to me that God sees us and knows us and knows when we're in our lowest state. And it's at the lowest state that he ends up sending angels to tell us uh, to invite them. So I just think that's just incredible that that's what happened. That and the fact that he, the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to all men, and when actually says all people, good news of great joy to all men. Not some of the men, all men. And so the fact that the angels chose the shepherds, and that's what God had them pro- pronounce to them, all men was saying, you, I'm specifically coming to you, 
you are not too low, you are not too weak, you are not too outcast, you are actually the reason I'm here and, and invites them personally. So I think that's amazing. Third one is perceive, perceive it. The wise men perceive the good news. I, I think this is really cool. They First of all, they saw the planets had aligned, they saw that the star, and they perceived, I'm sure that other people saw it, but they were the ones that actually perceived the meaning of it. And when they go to Jerusalem, they are coming to see the king of the Jews. They had, they had already provided, like they got all of the provisions, they planned the trip, they knew what they were going to find. And I think today, like when I looked at that, I just realized like they were full of faith in knowing who they were going to worship. Now the interesting thing is, and this would have been funny to be like a fly on the wall, but Herod is super paranoid. He is, he's, he's a brilliant man. I mean, he's the guy that did like Caesarea, right? He, he designed that and, and Masada and all these incredible architectural things, but he was super paranoid. And so he felt like everybody was trying to, he, he killed his wife and some kids and he just a, a wicked dude who just thought everybody was after his kingdom. So now these wise men show up and think about it. They show up with their whole entourage. They show up with provision. They show up with faith, and they come to Jerusalem and say to Herod himself, we came to worship the king of the Jews. We saw his star, and we came to worship him. So I don't know about you, but if I look up in the sky, I don't, besides knowing that God owns the stars, I don't think like, oh, there's a king of the Jews that owns that star right there, like his star. So you're telling this paranoid king, hey, I came to find this king that's born, yeah, because he's got his own star. Do you have a star, buddy? No, I don't think so. He's got his own star, and we came, and we're not just going to come and give him some gifts. We're coming to worship him. So Herod's probably brain exploded. He was probably just freaked out because now there's a king. It's born. People are coming from the east that I don't even know these people with a bunch of money, and they want to worship this king. I'm probably going to be overthrown. So the fact that they saw and they knew all this and perceived the seasons and the times is pretty incredible. And um, just to let you know that um, there's something very interesting happening December 21st, and many, many of you may know this, but the media is actually talking about, we haven't seen it in 800 years, about a Christmas star that's supposed to appear in the heavenlies by December uh, 21st, it's going to start to appear on the 14th of December, but we won't see it with the naked eye until the 21st. And they're actually calling it the Christmas star, and that it hasn't been here in 800 years, and we'll never see it again until like 2080 or something crazy. And I'm thinking, I want to perceive what's happening. Because Jupiter and Saturn are going to be aligned in a way that we're going to see it, and when we see it, it's going to look like a star, because two planets are going to be closer than they've ever been before. And with our naked eye, it's going to look like it'll be the closest thing that, to the Christmas star. Isn't that cool? And so I want to see it. I'll let you know, but I'm pretty sure from what I'm reading right now, it's going to be like more at dusk and in the southern part of the, of the horizon. So um, you heard it here first. But the fact that the world is calling it the Christmas star, there's something to be perceived. You know, and we kind of get lulled to sleep a little bit with our everyday lives and 
just the things that go on in, in our lives and in the world that I don't, I want to be like the wise men. Like, what's going to happen? Like, why is that happening now? Because Genesis talks about that the star, like when, when God made, um, he made heaven and earth and he made um, the moon and, and, the, and the sun, it said that he made the stars and the stars and the lights in the, or in the planets were for signs and seasons. So this is a sign, this was a sign to the wise men, and I think it could be a sign to us. So I don't know what's going down, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be cool. I'm excited. So there, I wanna perceive it, right? Um, the final point is just because it's hard does not mean it's not God. I don't know how many times I have thought, this is hard, so it must not be God. But none of that's true, because if you look at the Word of God, if you look at the Bible, it's packed jammed full of stories, of life stories, and historical events of people that went through very much difficulties. Not only did they have great triumphs in their life and joy, but there was a whole lot of waiting, a whole lot of um, prayers answered at the very final moment. The midnight hour, there, there was a lot of promises that we're even still believing for and waiting for. And it's packed full of people that have had great sorrows and difficulties and hardships and, and then tremendous blessings. And so when I look at Mary, it costs Mary everything to carry the Messiah. And when I look at her, like to the depth of what you're carrying, all of us and, and these individuals, to the depth of what you're carrying is to the depth of the difficulty and the journey. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. With Mary, it cost her the, every, everything. It cost her a normal life. It cost her a normal life. And if you remember when Jesus was, in the, was um, being dedicated in, in the temple, it was Simeon that pointed to her and said, and, and even a sword will pierce your heart. So Mary... Um, it's funny because they talk a lot in the Bible about Mary's heart. And she was a ponderer. When the shepherds showed up at the birth of her son, just strange people that she never met before, and they told her what they had seen, it was confirmation that, that yeah, this is the Messiah, which I'm, I'm pretty sure she was convinced of. But she pondered them in her heart. She kept these little stories in a treasure, treasure box in her heart. But then, in the latter days, her heart would be pierced into like a thousand pieces when she had to witness the death of her son on the, on the cross, a violent crucifixion. Can you imagine as a mother? That's like something that I don't even know how she didn't pass out cold and even be able to bear the weight of such a, such a thing, right? It cost Mary everything, everything. I mean... The beautiful triumph is she sees her son on resurrection. She's one of the ladies that is there when he resurrects, and she sees him. But it did, it cost Mary everything. Shepherds historically had the hard life, like I said. They're considered the least of these. And the thing is, they were given witness to the greatest miracle ever and the greatest answer to prayer as they got to see the face of the Messiah before anybody else did. They were the first public people to see it. And then they had a story to tell, one for the ages. I'm sure shepherds had cool stories anyways, you know? You know, like they probably had lots of stories of like animals that they had to like fight off or like bandits or whatever. But this story was one for the ages. 
the night that the angel came and the whole sky was lit up with angels everywhere and they were just telling us crazy things. And we went and saw the Messiah like it was exactly what they said. He'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes and he'd be lying in this little feed trough uh, that they made into like this little manger for him. And we saw it with our own eyes, right? And so I, I think about the shepherds, but then you have to think about their life circumstance probably still remained harsh, right? It doesn't say that they saw Messiah and then they lived into a they moved into a palace and that they were all of a sudden accepted by society. They probably lived a harsh life. Their circumstances might not have changed, but nothing can take away that night. Nothing can take away the joy and peace that came into their life and came into their, their hearts when they saw the Messiah face to face. So even though life might have not changed for them, their heart was forever changed. And I mean, how many people do we know that are free inside that may not be free on the outside, right? So their life might not have changed, their circumstances might have not have changed, but you can't take away the joy and the peace that came into their life, no matter how hard things got. And the wise men, it cost them their time. It cost the wise men energy, toil, possessions. It cost them a plan. You know, they were willing to give up their comfort. They were willing to give up their time. They were willing to go on a journey. Like, I don't know if these guys were young or old, but I don't know about you. Traveling as an older person is a lot difficult than traveling as a younger person. Like, you know, we got to take all of our vitamins and our pills, and we got to know where, like, all the bathrooms are, and, like, where's the local doctor's office, and and young people don't even think like that. I've gone to camps with people, and they're like, they don't even bring toothpaste. Like, who does that? Like, I've gone to camp with you guys, and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't bring toothpaste or... They, like, so if you're going, like, if you're a young person, I've traveled with young people before, and they travel really different than old people. So, so they had to give up um, their plan. They had to give up their resources. They had to be willing to be led. And here's the thing. They had to be willing to be flexible because they had had it all planned out. I don't even know what they thought they were going to see because they, when they went to Jerusalem, they were wanting to see the king. So they were fully confident of who they were going to see. But they had to be flexible in their plan. So when God spoke to them in a dream and told them they had to leave um, Bethlehem and go another way because they would have been killed, their willingness to follow God and let their plan be interrupted, their flexibility to, to allow, hey, I got a plan for my life and it's got to go boom, boom, boom. And if it doesn't, I'm not, it's, this is the way it has to be. They weren't like that. They had to listen. They had to be flexible. They had to allow God to lead them the way they were to be led and it saved their lives. It saved their lives. So it'll save our lives if we're flexible and willing to be led. Amen? So wherever you are in this Christmas season, the Lord's inviting us to follow him, to count the cost, and be willing to have your life interrupted to get to where he's taking you. To remind yourselves that you have within you the good news of great joy for all people, and that we have, his, we have the Prince of Peace living within us, Emmanuel, God with us. We can be peace to other people. We can bring his light to other people. Um, don't evaluate your life based on difficulties. Don't allow yourself to evaluate God's goodness or his love for you based on life circumstances, based on losses or disappointments. This book, the Word of God, is full of people who have had disappointments and losses. 
The book is about people of God, whom God loved, following God and following Jesus and fulfilling the call on their, of God on their lives. And not one story does not have within it some level of hardship and hard things. But let's just go on the journey anyways. Let's go on the journey anyway. Are you going to fall down some hills? Maybe land in a stream? Get your line hung up on some trees? Yes. <laughs> Definitely yes. <laughs> but we can leave this life with no regrets. You can say that no matter what, you didn't lose hope. You didn't lose joy. You didn't lose peace. You didn't lose the good news. And you're willing to go wherever Jesus called you to go. Amen. So my mom got this Christmas card, and I'm going to pray the Christmas card she got. She's like, look at this card I got. And, and I, she's like, look at the verse. It's beautiful. It's so timely. And I said, I took a picture of it. I said, I'm going to put that in the message. And so I just want to end with the Christmas card prayer. Um, so just receive this in your heart. May God's love light your heart with hope. Renew your soul with wonder. And bless every minute of your Christmas with peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, each of you are on a specific journey. You're on a very specific journey with the Lord. Some of you have had the Lord say some things, proclaim some things to you, and you've gone a certain distance, and then wondered about is it still what he said am I still going the way the Lord wants me to go how many of you are there you have a unique one of a kind destiny the powerful thing that the Lord is drawing us to understand in addition to just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. Is that in each of the circles, Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, the wise men, there was a group. There were people to support one another. The Lord has brought you here because there are people to support one another. Let's lift our heads and praise the Lord. Lord, I pray for each person on their unique journey right now that your affirming witness come. That your affirming word be renewed and refreshed. Let's pray in the Spirit. Let's just lift up praise. Just cry out to God. Cry out to God. I sense in my heart that the Lord's saying this. Disappointments are rolling away. Just like when Jesus came, what did he come for? They rolled a big stone over the grave. And the angel came. I wonder if it was the same angels. I wonder if it was the angel that proclaimed that he was coming that sat on the tomb and said, He's not here. He's risen just like he said. That's who you are worshiping. 
And the Lord is taking you from babyhood to manhood to complete maturity in Christ. Through ups and downs, through thick and thin, everything is designed by Him to cause you to blossom and be what He's looking for in eternity. Will you say yes to the Lord? I will be what you want me to be in eternity. I will grow in the way that you want me to grow. I will be what you want me to be. Will you say that? Let's just lift our hearts and say that. Now, just as I close my eyes, I sense the Lord is melting away some stress. Just the stress of the season. Would you let him take it? Let you let the Lord melt away the stress that's come against you right now. Stress comes in multiple ways. In Jesus' name, I take authority as the shepherd of this flock against the wolf of stress. I come against you in Jesus' name. As King David, the shepherd boy, I take the rock in the sling and I sling it against you, you wolf, you lying wolf. Be gone from this place. In Jesus' name. Let's praise him now. Just go ahead and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the heaviness go. Let the heaviness go. Let the fears go. Let the fears go. This is what Jesus does. He whispers to you in your journey. He causes you to be refreshed in your heart. He leads you. He protects you. He protects you from the Herod spirit, the spirit of death this season. He protects you. Let's go ahead and stand together. Father God, I thank you for Lori's heart, for what her message brought to us today. Thank you, Lord, for the reinvigoration and understanding that we're on this journey together. We stand before you in a stance of worship this season to see you glorified in our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.